is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome. Here we are, episode 11. Hi, Andy. Hi, Laurie. Hi. It's so good to be here with you again today because we've had a a really interesting feature piece that just popped out on Vice Investigates. So I'm really interested to speak with you about that and uh, see what your thoughts are. For those who subscribe to the HBO channel, they would be familiar with this regular featured show. It's Vice Investigates. And we had an inkling that this might be coming because when we were at the VI event in November in in Washington, D.C., they were in and around and and we saw them interviewing folks and we, we sort of felt their presence. But we've had an opportunity to watch the piece. And there's a lot of heat that's been going around social media the past couple of days saying that the activist mom... Hillary Simpson, who has an organization called Crazy Mothers, she organized this event and put it together. And there's been some blowback about whether they shouldn't have been there, whether they should have been there. Now that you've had a chance to look at the piece, and I noticed, by the way, that you were not interviewed. You were mentioned. I believe they called you the OG, the original gangster of the uh, anti-vax movement. Um, which we don't even refer to. We call it the health freedom movement because that's a much more accurate representation. But let's talk a little bit about what your impressions were of this overall and why you chose not to be interviewed. Thanks, Laurie. You know, I I took time out of our busy editing schedule on the new film up here in Ocala to watch this. It's not something I would normally watch, but for the purpose of this program, it was worth doing. And, and you know, it was uh, it was it was very interesting. Let's just just take take a look at it filmically, sure. and it was um, it was a high end production. It's a it's a high quality production in terms of the money they throw at it to to, to make the movie. But what was it really all about? What was the storyline here? And what was fascinating to me is that throughout the program there is this denouncing of anecdote, hmm. particularly by that character uh, Ethan Lindenberger. Sure. Uh, who's not someone I paid any attention to before? The rebellious teenager. Yes. Well, yes, and 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 but he's you know oh, that's just anecdote, and when we check it, it can never never be confirmed. Mm. But what we looked at was actually a, a string of anecdotes. Mm-hmm. So here they are denouncing anecdote, but it opened with an anecdote. It opened with the anecdote of this guy who's had measles, an adult who's had measles. Mm-hmm. He must have caught it brushing past someone in the street and. And so we start, they start to make their case based upon an anecdote. And my immediate question is, what are you doing getting measles as an adult? Mm -hmm. Because that didn't happen in the past. Right. That you got measles when you were a child, and when you got it as a child, you were protected against measles for life. And particularly, you were protected against getting it as an adult when it was a more dangerous disease. So, buddy, if you had a bad case of measles, then that's because of vaccination policy that has displaced the age of susceptibility to measles. So right out of the gate, there's no joined up thinking here. There's no real understanding of what has actually happened at a global level in terms of what measles vaccination policy has done to the disease itself. So I won't dwell on that, but it's it was just a very interesting observation. Well, And before you switch gears on that, one interesting point is that the reporter 
made a point of then saying that that gentleman who got measles by supposedly brushing against someone called his mother and found out that he was not vaccinated. And he was clearly an adult in his late 20s, early 30s, around that age range. Even if he had been vaccinated, the vaccine would have long worn off and he could have indeed even been susceptible. And you've educated us on prior podcasts about why the measles vaccine has been failing and vaccinology has been failing in so many ways. But there seems to be this continued talking points, right? We just continue to see these same type of things repeated over and over. Yes, I don't think they understand the concept of vaccine failure, and I don't think they want to understand it because it doesn't fit with their narrative. And the one thing about this documentary, it, it was expository, and it, it was took a very, very clear position. Mm-hmm. And when you hear them talking about someone like Bobby Kennedy spewing anti science, then you realize what they're actually, you know, where they're coming from. And it it was a great shame. But that's what they were. They made their case very clearly that they were against anyone. It was biased. I mean, words like even debunked, right? We hear Ethan Lindenberger. All the time. These are terms that are descriptive. And I've been been in science now for for longer than that report has been alive. Right. And I published 150 papers. And I I know science, and I know Bobby Kennedy's approach to science and his extraordinary ability to assimilate the science and to reproduce and reflect the science accurately. So when you hear someone saying that, it really discredits him completely. Your bias is showing. Yeah, we we deal with, he talked about, he introduced the Vax-Unvax study from Denmark, the ostensibly Vax-Unvax study. As a way to discredit. uh, As a way to discredit, which was the the MMR study, Mm -hmm. looking which we cover in the film extensively. Brian Hooker deals with that paper. So I won't preempt it now, but watch the film when it comes out because we deal conclusively with the failings of the, of the uh, Danish study in terms of the MMR. One of the other things that's happened, as, as you know, you mentioned that, um, that Hillary w- has been attacked mm-hmm. afterwards. And I, I would just urge caution because... When these producers approach you, and this has happened to me many, many, many times, it's we'd like to do a balanced analysis of the for and against of both sides of the argument. We're going to be entirely fair. That's what we're known for, and and, and that's what we're going to do. That's a complete lie. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to get drawn in. And the other thing is that we probably shouldn't. Um, If there is an opportunity to reflect the fact that this isn't uh, these aren't anti-vaxxers, but ex-vaxxers, either people whose children have been damaged by vaccines when they followed the doctor's orders or they followed the CDC's recommendations, that these are people concerned principally with health freedom. None of that's reflected in None the story. But sure. when you're told that when there's an opportunity to put that case forward, then you take it. And, of course, you can't exclude them from an event like Vi. They're going to turn up and they're going to film, and so should they be able to in this country. In, in it was this on country. a public space at a park. Absolutely. Of course they can show up, yes. So I would, number one, I would urge caution. The other thing is that Hillary's pieces on social media I think are excellent. Mm-hmm. They're excellent. What they are, and I would imagine that Hillary probably trained as an actor in the past because they – they are wonderfully ironic. Mm-hmm. What you can do in the editing process is take that irony and turn it into something that looks like a crazy mother mm-hmm. if you just ex- extract a little piece of it. And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. And again, that's a pure reflection of their bias. And it's something that filmmakers do all the time. You 
take the piece that conveys the opinion that you want to get across, particularly in an expository documentary like like theirs was. So, again, people should just take, take, a, a, chill, take a chill pill on this one <laughs> yeah. because um, she, I think she did an outstanding job in pulling that event together. And uh, She I, really uh, did. It was she, a very well done event yeah. and so, extremely buttoned yeah. up. There were really no mm. hiccups or problems that we saw. I know you were there as a speaker. And it's it's disconcerting to see this kind of journalism come out of an organization that is so well-funded. I mean, we know why. We know why. I'm, we know I'm, why. I'm, it's we're not no surprised. secret. And, we are, you know, we the are the most is, censored group on the planet. Yeah, it reflects really badly on them at yes. the end of the day. Yes. Now, one of the things that really came through in this story is time and time again from various organizations, various people, was that they're losing. Mm-hmm. Why are we losing? Why are they winning? Why are they winning in social media? Why are all these people gathering and protesting? And Why? A bit of a panic How can analysis, we persuade right? them? How yeah. can we persuade them that they're wrong? How right. can we persuade them that we're, we're right? How can we persuade them that science is on our side? Right. And that is such a paternalistic, patronizing approach to the problem. It assumes ab initio that we are wrong. Mm-hmm. All these people who have given their lives to studying this or who've witnessed their families being harmed are just making this up and are deranged and deluded and not scientific is so utterly false and it's completely wrong. And so what they're trying to do is understand why we are so wrong and we don't get it Mm -hmm. and how to put us right, how to put us on the right track, how to send us to the gulag and have us educated again, re-educated. Because we're so misguided. It's so utterly misguided, and it's fascinating to to, to see it happen. And, of course, they're never going to prevail. They're never going to win that battle because they're on completely the wrong tack from the outset. Why not start from the position that actually maybe these people do have a case? Mm -hmm. Maybe all of this anecdote, all of these thousands and thousands of cases of people who were pro-vaccine, who did what the doctor told them to do and have learned to their huge regret the truth, then what if there's a truth to their story? What if we're not even asking the right questions? And one of there's a wonderful piece by Peter Arby, who's you know, pro-vaccine and works for the Startum Serum Institute in Denmark. But he says in a, a video which is available on, on YouTube, our system is not up, set up in the right way to tell us if we're wrong. We will never know we're wrong because we never set the system up in a way that would detect the fact that we're wrong. And so we're getting worse and we're getting more wrong and more wrong and more wrong and we don't even know it. And it takes people like Peter Arby to point that out to us. It takes mm. mothers to point that out to us. It takes people who are prepared to take a look at the harsh reality of this issue to point that out to us. And so this was... A very telling story, a very telling story about how they are failing, mm-hmm. how badly they are failing, the desperate lengths they are going to to correct the situation by mandatory vaccination, by belittling parents. And then there's this sharp contrast between the size of the Vi event and the other events around the country, and then a a gathering of three mothers, three or four mothers in a park in Texas. That was the part that really broke my heart because as a mom, 
I do feel this is an assault on the mother. This is an assault on the mother, her intuition, her innate ability to protect her child and do what she thinks is right, and the stripping away of the rights to do that. And when I see a group of moms in a park in Texas riddled with fear that somehow an unvaccinated child is going to be a threat to their vaccinated child, which to me is the most lunatic fringe concept you could even imagine, breaks my heart because they are doubting themselves because of this narrative that keeps getting pushed on them. Yeah, and a narrative of fear. And it's perpetuated right the way from the top of the World Health Organization right through the media. Fear, 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 and fear right. cells. And we've seen this. We see this now with coronavirus. We've seen it with so many in, in so many instances before. Over and over. It, over is, and it, over. Is, it is what I call, you know, the dark mm. army because fear mm. for me doesn't come from God. So where does it come from? And the concern is that you have somebody like Ethan Lindenberger, a teenager, speaking at the World Health Organization in Brussels just because he basically rebelled against his mother by getting vaccinated by choice as a teenager. You know, this is very alarming for a mother. Also, when you look at policy and you see that in California, you can be 12 years old now and go into any nurse in any public school and get any kind of medical care you want without the permission of your parents at 12. And I think that they're pushing forward Lindenberger for several reasons, but not least of which is that, mm -hmm. is to have him portrayed as a role model for children to defy their parents in respect of vaccination or yes. other medical decisions. And so I find him utterly irrelevant in the scientific setting utterly irrelevant in many, many ways, but a useful idiot in terms of exploiting him to, to persuade other teenagers that it's cool to defy your parents. Fortunately, most teenagers are well-heeled, are, well are savvy, <laughs> and are not as... We uh, hope. I, I don't want to sound pejorative, but they're not like uh, uh, mm. Lindenberger. And it's very, very sad that he defies his mother. It goes against this notion, which I am deeply invested in, of maternal instinct and the power of that and to defy it uh, you do so at your peril well and honoring your mother and your father i mean it's a really primal uh concern especially when you see the surgeon general calling him brother hey but, brother yeah, i mean what you know, that was that, that, was, that's, that's that really summed it up and i'm rather glad they showed that hmm. because that put it in context here you have this smug young character who is clearly loving the limelight. Oh, he is And then all referring about to the Surgeon General as brother. Hey, man, you know, all yes. that. Really? I mean, please, is that where we've come to? But the truth is, if that's what they've got, Laurie, if that's all they've got, and it seems to be in the face of their abject failure to persuade a growing cadre of people that they're right, that's all they've got. It's pathetic. And that's what came across to me in this mm -hmm. program. That's a really is good that point. You, the other side are winning. We don't know why they're winning. We think we've, we, we don't know what to do. We're lost. We're lost. They're winning on social media. They're winning in the, uh, they've got Bobby Kennedy on their side. And, and we've got Ethan Lindeberg. Great. <laughs> we've got Great. truth. Um, so, well, no, we do. And whatever the truth is, we, we need to pursue the truth. 
We need to pursue it, not assume that we know what it is. And this is their starting point, that they assume that they know the truth, that they own the truth, yes. that we're wrong and we're behaving like bad Well, that's, that's why your, your film is so important, 1986, The Act, which I know we're deep into post-production. Now it's getting really close. And it's so exciting because I'm one of a very small handful of people that has had the privilege of sneaking behind the curtain and taking a peek, and it is fabulous. It's coming together. It and is it, it, so it, it, incredibly yeah. well done. I, I, I get to be the first one to compliment you. <laughs> well, I, I, it's going to, I hope, it, I, I think it will yes. help answer a lot of the questions. Well, it, well here's a perfect example in, in the Vice piece. Right there, front and center, a yellow sign, vaccine makers have no liability. He had it there for and, us. Wonderful. And, and the reporter didn't even ask about it or mention it or yeah. talk about the fact that vaccine makers, which we all know, all four are repeat felons. They have all paid out billions of dollars for felony charges in, in creating fraudulent activities against the public. They have no liability in the marketplace for their products. There was the sign right there. And to me, that really is the epitome of the crack in the facade because it was right in front of him. I was picturing him in the editing bay seeing that sign, the fact that they decided to show that sign on camera, and they never even mentioned it in the story. So did he not know? Did he see that sign and not think to himself, hmm, what does that mean? Vaccine makers have no liability in the marketplace. Why didn't he mention the almost $200 million on average paid out every year for vaccine injury and death by the U.S. government? Why didn't he mention the fact that we're mandating the use of faulty products in children when the free market is completely removed? This is what your film highlights. And everyone that I've talked to in the past 10 months about your film and what it's about doesn't know this. They don't know it, and they need to know it. It's so important. I, and, and finally, you, you asked me a question about why I why declined an interview. Yeah. I was never asked to do an interview, but it's one of those very interesting situations. We were at the after party, and they came up to me, and, and they tried to provoke me into a discussion. In fact, he did most of the talking as a way of trying to engage me in a discussion. I've been doing this for a long time. Mm. I've made lots of mistakes in, in terms of media. So you, you live and you learn. And so this is, you why, know how to swear this is why I say to Hillary, chill, okay? Right. Completely relax. Because I looked at him and I realized what was going on. And I turned around and there was a camera on us across the room. And I turned back to him and I said, are you wired? And he said, yes. And I said, that's extremely dishonest and turned around and walked away. Mm -hmm. So they tried to provoke me into some ambush, kind really. of disclosure about something. I noticed it wasn't in the film. It, it wasn't, wasn't in the, the film because there was nothing to put in the film. So if that's their filmmaking style, good luck to them, yeah. it seems to be. Not exactly the highest of journalistic standards, unfortunately, but you've seen it time and time again. Yeah. And no wonder you moved to the medium of film instead of trying to work with other media, because it really is impossible to tell the whole story. Yeah, and finally, I just said finally, but you know, and they, of course, they come back to the, the fraud, the fraud, the fraud, Wakefield's a fraud. No, I'm not. I've never committed scientific fraud in my life, and we may have the opportunity to actually deal with that in a public forum, in the not too distant future. So, uh, 
watch this space. We're so grateful, Andy, for your work. Thank you for your dedication and your integrity. Keep it up. We need you. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Weekly Podcast, a place where stories are being told that have never been heard before. This is a Seventh Chakra Films production in collaboration with Brick City Creative. Please follow and like us while you still can on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 1986 The Act, and soon on Sphere.